Counterpress Podcast. I'm your host, Kirk Kinsey, and with me again tonight is Josh Cacho. Josh, 3-1 against Vancouver. How are you feeling? Another day, another three points. Um, obviously, you know, there's we get to we get to undergo our favorite pastime of dissecting everything that went wrong in a win, right? Um, you know, typically, typically in these games, right? There's like the last game, obviously, there's next to nothing to talk about just based on how bad Miami was and how bad the weather was. But this game, I think, exposed a few of the things that I think um, that Toronto had identified after that Miami game about things that they probably needed to do better as they move forward. But obviously the the one thing that we can say, right, is that this defense is is top-notch, right, and is definitely going to yeah. keep, you, keep yeah. you in games and win you games, um, even if you're not clicking from, you know, one clicking from a, you know, at at a hundred percent efficiency from, you know, from an offensive perspective. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a defense that doesn't even have Eddie Segura, so uh, and doesn't have your starting right back at the moment. So, I mean, there's a there's a lot of of promising things happening on that back line, and obviously behind them with Max Cripo, who anytime he came out of the penalty area to sweep, I felt like it was the right decision. Uh, always confident with him on the ball. I think there was like one shaky moment where Vancouver decided to press late, and I don't think he anticipated it, but you know, still had the wherewithal to get the ball out of his feet and just hoof it long. So uh, a lot of great stuff on defense. I did notice that we do not, even in possession, we don't send our fullbacks high. Um, they tend to just backfill space as the team gets into the into the attacking third. And that leaves them that leaves them there for cover. There was, I tweeted about it and wasn't able to go get video tonight uh, because I was watching on ESPN Plus. But um, there's a moment where there's a ball, there's an early ball from like the the Vancouver back line into one of the Vancouver forwards, and uh, Hollingshead has a chance to press, but Ilié is there. So he decides to get back kind of into position on the on at left back to cover a runner that's there. And I mean, you've talked a lot about pragmatism. To me, that was just a signal of, okay, we're not going to try and win that ball and risk the ball being played in behind us uh, to this guy on their attacking right wing. We're going to make sure that we pressure and cover at the same time and just put out the fires as they come along. Um, as opposed to, Bob is just balls to the wall, win the ball back at all costs. Doesn't matter if they play it over, we'll deal with it later. Um, and obviously LAFC was punished for it last year. Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at how these things have played out, you know, it's at at minimum, it's a very professional performance, right, from the defense. Mm-hmm. In the sense, like I said, it's 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 reading the game, it's understanding the moment, it's it's making those decisions right at the making the right decisions at exactly the right time mm-hmm. um the last time we saw that right was 2019 and look how that year turned out right in the sense where like you know occasionally Harvey would bomb forward occasionally yeah. you saw beta Shore make an underlapping run right and finish one off at you know finish one off um when when Vela's drawn the defense but those guys weren't you know those guys weren't press at all costs they weren't you know attack at all costs 
It was right. a very much, you know, they pushed up when they when they saw the opportunity, but also realized, you know, at you know at that stage of their careers as well, you know, when when do I need to hold? When do I need to make sure that I I have enough time to recover back in the position? And I think there were times where you know Harvey would get caught out and whatnot, you know, um, and it's something that we we had had a problem with it before, you know, you know, like that's the exposure, right? It's they're looking to float that ball over the top of Harvey as he gets forward. I think the the galaxy at times would do do that really well, you know, when they when they had Zlatan there, you know, just kind of send yeah. send yeah. a winger over there and and you know just see if we can deal with it. Um, now, like I said, with this team, you just don't you don't feel those holes. Um, you know, like you have to be you have to be really on point to make this team pay um, in those moments because again, they're not going to give you a whole lot. Right. It's like yeah. in terms of where they are, they're not they're just not giving teams opportunities to score. Right. Unless like I said, there was I think off a of a couple set pieces tonight, Vancouver looked pretty dangerous, you know, on, on yeah, the break. It's just set pieces. I can't think of a single time from open play that LAFC were in danger at all. Yeah, because in open play, like it's it's exactly what we we're talking about, right? It's like they're making the right decisions as to you know, as to fill in those gaps, fill, you know, when, when someone pushes high, you ha- it, the rotations are almost picture perfect at this yeah. point in terms. And that's only going to get better as the year goes on, as these guys get more comfortable with each other. Um, yeah. And well, and if, if I can hop in on that too, like when, when your fullbacks and your center backs are positioned, well, you can still play, they still play a high line, right? But because they're in a better position to win balls out of the air or, early balls in that they're trying to play behind. And because they have a goalkeeper that's so comfortable with his feet, it's like, I mean, how many balls did you see a fullback or a center back win or kind of win, right? Get into a one V one against one of the attackers and just get enough of the ball to get it back to Cropo. And now you're playing sweeper keeper and you're right back into building possession out of your own half. Um, Whereas again, last year, it's just those balls are in behind him and all you see is everybody's numbers as they're all chasing the ball, right? Absolutely. It's like, you know, we would it's it was Mario and Fall, right, trying to put out fires alone, right, as opposed yes. to like you yes. you feel a very concerted effort, whether it's Ilya dropping in and you know, like you'll and the, I think the funny one is when you'll see the center back step and someone is making a run, like a back post run or some of that. Behind, in behind and you just see Ilya immediately come diagonal on and yeah you know again yeah it's not always to get to the ball but it's enough that it deters it's you know it's a deterrent at best right where they're just they it's just not there yeah you know? you're at least eating up the space right mm-hmm. you're getting back to some sort of positional superiority absolutely right? that's, that's and it gives and it gives Kropo an opportunity to now you know attack the balls with a little bit more freedom because he knows that there's people are like you're saying they're just backfilling backfilling the attack on a regular yeah. basis and you know and yeah. it's again it's not it's not the sexiest of looks it's not the sexiest of football but it gets you points regularly right and how you know like it, it's one of those things where i think to to win MLS Cup, you have to have a certain level of pragmatism, especially in not in in one game knockouts. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. to to understand where those moments are and when you can make sure that you're being defensively sound. Um, you know, because again, thus far, 
we've given up two goals, one on a set piece and the other one on a bike, right? Or a half bike. Right, right. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's not like you're saying, it's like we're not giving, you know, we're giving next to nothing in open play, you know, and if it, and the one that was in quote unquote open play was, you know, a weird bounce and like I said, and a, and a, and a bicycle kick, right? So, yeah. you know, again, yeah. in, the, in that one, you're not, there's not a whole lot you're going to do about it. So, right. Um, I like I I have to feel extremely comfortable moving forward in this season as, for them to look this defensively solid this early on. So I want to go back to what you said about it not being the sexiest and I I think there is something to that, right? It's it's not going to be as risky uh and, and thus like not as frantic as it was under Bob, but like everybody always points to teams that do well, right? Seattle, NYCFC won last year, right? The Revs set a new points record, albeit against a terrible Eastern Conference because of the COVID schedule, right? Can you tell me what the identity of any of those three teams are other than Brian Smetcher is Brian Smetcher? Like when when you ask anybody what the identity of Seattle is, they just say, oh, well, it's, it's, it's Smetcher. Like that's that's all they can say. They can't. There's there's nothing about that team aside from it's just a really solid roster. Like Garth Lagerway did a great job while he was there at building a fantastic roster and a good front office. Um, and I feel like it's like what Bruce Arena. Like he's not doing anything. Uh, he's not doing anything fancy, right? To to make. New England into what they were last year. So um, I would say LAFC play sexier than they do in their, in their attacking play, but it's not, you know, it's, it's not necessarily a requirement to do that. And no, most and of the teams that people point to as successful don't play that way. Well, that's the thing. It's like, you know, let's, let's look at the, the, the scope of world football. Like we, we typically do in terms of, yeah. you know, what are the comparisons in these particular moments as to, what we're doing versus what you know and again when like a pure attacking style has has hasn't actually won anything in a long time right because because last year uh, one out classico today four nil oh for sure <laughs> you know and again yeah that, i get what you're saying though yeah you know but it's like you know barcelona are still in what third you yeah. know, in La Liga, you know, um, but when you I mean, look at Pep, right? I mean, Pep's winning the league, but he's, you know, he hasn't won a Champions League. And in- yeah, I mean, he'll fall short in knockout in knockout tournaments because, mm-hmm. again, a lot of times pragmatism wins. I mean, how many times did Mourinho somehow find a way to beat Pep, right? When you knew Pep was tactically superior, but Mourinho just had his guys stuck in and made yeah. it extremely difficult. And then what would, you know, nick one goal and then you're done, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, like when we look at who's won MLS Cup for, you know, the last however many years, it's never the team that plays the best football, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, and again, it's it's somewhat like the Super Bowl, right? Like, you know, with with American football, like we get, you know, maybe like the Rams are probably the the, you know, the the times that they won it, whether it was in St. Louis or this past year, is probably the closest thing to that. Mm-hmm. Right, but mm-hmm. it's often that Bill Belichick defensive grinded out, you know, in a big game, you know, take away everything mm-hmm. that you wanted to do, um, approach, 
right? And I, I have that feeling that Charnel understands that, right? In in these big games and how to just choke. I mean, he's he was part part of that that U.S. national team that very much just did that to win games, right? Yeah, it was just yeah. suffocate you, um, and then let Dempsey and Donovan do their thing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was. That- I, I mean, but the th- the thing about it though is, it's just uh, to use to borrow a phrase from John Thorrington. It's just a it's just a tweak, right? Mm-hmm. It's not he he's not out here stripping them of their identity because it still is uh, a very exciting attack, albeit a little bit different. Um, and it's not so much counter press and create from winning the ball high up the pitch. Um, they're still scoring plenty of goals. I mean, uh, they were held to one against Portland, but that's the, Portland are the anti-football team, right? <laughs> like they they are not out there to play football. They're out there to. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what they do. I mean, if we I, think I, we're I, pragmatic, they take it to a whole nother level. Well, and that's that's literally their identity, mm-hmm. right? They they always have been, and they always will be the anti-football club where they just put 11 guys behind the ball. And, you know, if we, if we get one chance out on the break, fine, we'll, we'll take it and that'll be it. But they, I mean, uh, it's definitely, it's definitely not that. So I I guess that's where I was trying to go with, I feel like it's a good balance of, look, we're just going to sit our fullbacks a little bit deeper. They don't need to be all the way forward. They don't need to be playing as wing backs out of a four, three, three. That's okay. And we're going to ask our, our wingers to do a better job of creating when, I mean, tonight you saw it from Apoku and uh, Rodriguez, I thought struggled tonight, but uh, man, Opoku's really putting it together. And I, and I think you and I have treated him with a healthy dose, of, a healthy dose of skepticism up until now, but I feel like after tonight, you can't really, you can't really deny it anymore. Yeah. I mean, when I saw the lineup, released you know before the game i was starting to wonder it's like hmm i can't imagine this is still just a fitness thing for chicho right because that's what we had heard um prior to game one right it was just like he picked up a knock in in indio right. and you know you're just trying to figure things out but the more run a poku gets the better he starts to look and he actually is combining extremely well with carlos vela right and happy vela is a winning vela <laughs> And a winning Vela yeah. is a winning LAFC, yeah. right? Because again, I think whether he does all the things, like he's he's the un, the most unselfish player, right? Forward that we have, right? Which is exactly what Vela needs next to him is a guy that's, you know, that doesn't demand a lot, right? And he'll make mm-hmm. every hard run. He'll do all the hard. You know, it was the Christian Ramirez, right? Right? Yeah. Like yeah. Vela had never been better. You know, then when Christian Ramirez was leading the line, wasn't because he was an excellent finisher, right? But it was just because his movement was so unselfish that it mm-hmm. gave him the freedom to do, you know, to let Vela do, you know, be at his best. And unfortunately for him, right, when when people started keying in on some of those things Vela was doing, he wasn't able to finish, right? But Apoku is kind of right. doing the opposite, and right, and and is making people pay when you overcommit. And, well, and the thing, the thing about Opoku is he, he's so unpredictable to where he's going to pop up and he's so pacey that it doesn't matter. He can go wherever he wants. He's going to recover. He is literally the fastest man 
of whatever 22 players are on the field. So like, I, I don't know that I've ever seen anybody as fast as him in MLS. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it helps, you know, and like, and having, you know, our center backs who are, and fullbacks, right. For that, for that matter, when even, especially when you have Acosta back there, guys who are willing to be able, you know, to serve that long ball up for him and yeah. stretch the defense, you know, against a Vancouver team that wanted to be compact, you know, it's go. You know, when you stretch straining them vertically, you know, and then now allow, you know, gives it now gives that room for Carlos Vela and everyone to work underneath. You know, yeah. you by you know by the second half, Vancouver was getting stretched all over the field, and what looked compact for the first twenty five to thirty minutes now looked like they were wide open, and, and you know, and and LAFC made them pay. Yeah. Yeah, and again, and, it wasn't the finishing wasn't always there, right? And then, like, you know, right. we had talked about this previously, and we'll get into this a little bit later. Um, the movement didn't all, the movement of our midfield and forwards didn't always come off, yeah. but I will. But you definitely the their initial positionings had Van, had Vancouver scrambling at least to start, right? So like their initial movement is doing a lot to actually you know to provide opportunities. Now it's a matter of what happens on that second and third run? What happens when, you know, like off the ball that allows now, you know, you to truly punish punish them? Those things aren't quite coming along. And hopefully those are things that will come, you know, will eventually start working themselves out. But obviously I think having kind of a makeshift lineup with Escobar out and then Moon moving back to Korea, you know, does, you know, probably throw your, your game plan, you know, into a little bit of a lurch there. Yeah, I I definitely feel like Chicho is is going to be the odd man out as long as they are looking to, or as long as they're successful saying, we are going to beat you on the wings with pace. And up until now, I, I don't know that there's anybody that's been able to just straight up beat LAFC with that. Uh, so I, uh, and Opoku and Rodriguez, I, I mean... They're both incredibly fast. Opoku, one of the other things that I noticed about him tonight is, I mean, there are three or four times where guys are trying to tackle him and they'll make contact with the ball, but he's moving at such a high speed and with so much power. And by that, I mean, like, he's got the ball with him. Like, you have to come in with a really solid tackle um, to be able to to actually knock it loose because he's dribbling with so much speed and power. Um that, you know, these little half-hearted tackles or even solid tackles aren't going to cut it. I mean, you have to come in and obliterate this man to get him off the ball. Um, otherwise, otherwise he's going to shake loose and serve up Valdevela from, from the end line. And then you're screwed, right? Um, and I think, I think that's one thing that Heath Pierce talked about specifically with Rodriguez is that he'd, he wishes he would do that. And I think you see Rodriguez stop so often and he'll let a defender stand him up rather than just blow by him. Like, dude, you are faster than this guy. Take a touch around, then make another move off of him. I feel like he waits so long, like trying to bait. Almost like when you watch a guy in the NBA who's just going to jab, step, jab, 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 over and over and over again and wait for the guy to commit and then finally go by. But Rodriguez is quick enough to just get around people like that as well. So I, I, I'm, I'm with Heath on this one. I, I wish he would just go at defenders with a little more pace sometimes, but yeah, I mean, or, or just make quicker decisions, right? Like every now and yeah. then, like it's okay to play a one touch pass and then move. 
right? Yeah. And like yeah. you're saying, it's like it's a lot, a little bit too much of, again, is he overthinking things? Is, you know, because again, he's getting a lot of opportunities because Vela and, Vela and Apoku's movement and interchanging on the left is dragging the majority of the defense away from the left. And so when Rodriguez gets the ball there, you know, he gets in these opportunities. Now, I will say, it doesn't help to have midfielders who can't combine with you. Yeah, exactly. This is where I was going to go with this, yeah. Because um, while Sifu's been slightly better at it, right, Latif was not at all good at it um, and just not, just didn't have that ability to connect with Rodriguez, which kind of puts him in a weird spot where now he's, you know, because he there's just no one there to connect with, he's kind of forced to go one on one, or occasionally, you know, and again with the fullbacks not playing, you know, playing super high and not bombing forward on the overlap, it's yeah. not like he even has that there either. The one time it did come off is like the what the last five six minutes of the game when Janela came on, you see this little quick one two that they played together, and it looks it looks good, and it gets, and I think Vancouver ended up you know getting stuck in and you know and knocking it out. But I think they nick it away from Janela on the return pass. He tries to cut in on his right foot and play a ball in, and it gets, and it, it just gets nicked away. Yeah, but it's a good it's a good idea. It's an you know it's a it's a creative yeah. idea. Something you just haven't seen too much of, other than Rodriguez trying to go one on one at someone. You know, um, yep. you know get so, and that'll be the one thing. And you know, I think that's where you know I think we had we had talked about this where. I think Latif and Sifu, right, just aren't quite there in terms of ultimately what this team may need to to truly ascend to another level. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's so in a four three three, right? When you play with this triangular midfield, you have a circle of players from you know all the way. It's it's your forwards and your back line form some sort of a circle and your midfield goes around and shuttles the ball to and from those guys, right? And that's how you switch plays through the midfield. Uh, And it's like a basic principle, yeah? When one of your guys gets stood up, that somebody goes over to help, right? You create a 2v1. That's the easiest and most sure way for you to to get around a defender is to play a 2v1. And so often when Rodriguez is is stuck on on the left touch line, he's all by himself and you just see guys watching from the midfield and you and I have already talked about this a little bit off air and we were texting about it, but I really keyed in on Latif today because I wanted to know, okay, what is Chirundolo seeing when he's in the midfield that caused him not to start? I mean, this is a man that was part of the best at midfield in MLS just two and a half years ago. Right. Um, and his movement off the ball when we were in possession is just like I, I could best describe it as drifting. He's watching Rodriguez on the ball and he's just kind of drifting forward. That's it. Like Rodriguez is going forward, so I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of jog forward and just watch to see what happens. Where what you really want him doing is checking his shoulder and looking for some space to sit down in, right? So he can create a two v one. Um, or at least give him an escape angle with either a first or a second line uh, pass. But he's just not he's just not aware of that space and to the point where he'll run past the opposing midfielders 
and straight into the back line and mark himself out of the game because he runs into a center back on his own. Like, dude, just just look over your shoulder one time. One time. You, you don't have to be like Javi and checking your shoulder every second, but dude, you got to look around and you got to move more intentfully than than you are. But uh, so for me, we talked about it a lot with Mark Anthony Kay and, and, and Blessing last year. And I, I think this is, you know, it's it makes Rodriguez worse because I think he's probably, you know, waiting for somebody to come over and rotate or trying to figure out what to do. Like you said, he's he's too slow in his decision making, so you got to help him out. You got to come over and help. But I think that's another reason that we can't really play through the midfield and we just end up playing over the top. Also, is because if you have guys like uh, Sifu and Blessing who are just not going to get into space and sit there, then you can't get him on the ball anyway. Yeah, I mean, I think the the fluidity at which our defense and defensive midfielders have been playing is the exact opposite of how our forward and our forward and attackers have been playing together, mm. right? Like where you automatically see, you know, like like you're saying, Hollingshead sees sees. Sanchez coming so he automatically rotates back to to a runner in the space right yeah. like yeah. that's exactly the way that you know the offense is supposed to work the exact same way right it's like when if Rodriguez gets the ball here in x in x zone right you need to have a midfielder that moves to this position combined so then Rodriguez can make the next move under or whatever it may be yeah and again it's a lot of you know our midfielders either just kind of stand around and watch, you know, or they, you know, again, or their spacing isn't great or they're, and again, it's like their field awareness is just kind of low right now in terms of yeah. like how they can complement the attack. Um, you know, like I said, and it's not a problem with Ilya, by the way, like it's just the two forward midfielders. And I think when you have Acosta there, it's probably not as much like I think he's much better at this. And you saw it tonight with the way that he would interpret space from even right back, where he, sometimes he's coming centrally, sometimes he's overlapping, but he's sitting down in space where guy he's working back because the center back is on the ball. Um, like his movement, it doesn't look like much, but it's much more helpful. Yeah, I mean, but how often have we talked about LEFC lacking? Right, I think it was you brought it up prior. What it's like that. Thomas Mueller's ability, what's the German word for it? Like to be a Raumdeuter. Right? In terms of just yeah, being a space, space interpreter. Right? Yeah. Like we just don't have that from a midfield standpoint, at least on the offensive side of things. Like I said, you have one from a from a defensive side of things. Right? Because I think what happened in previous years was that Atuesta would get so frustrated with their ability to not connect that he starts pushing up super high and then we lose we lose field balance. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Whereas I think Ilya, you know, is so understanding of that that you know it's like, and again, I think um, Trenello probably has them has that defensive mindset instilled in them first. Whereas, you know, where they're going, you know, it's better not to give up a chance and be solid at the back than to, you know, push forward into the space even if we're not getting it done, right? Like, you still have yeah. guys like Vela who can make magic out of nothing if you really need mm-hmm. it. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and it helps to have Opoku doing this thing there. But again, it, I think again, to truly take this team to that next level, right. You're going to have to have that eight that just understands how to utilize the space 
and and combine yeah. with the forwards on a regular basis. Yeah, I mean, four games in I, into the season, I don't know that I've ever been more convinced that uh, they need a DP midfielder and that he plays alongside uh, Kellen Acosta and Ilya Sanchez as like your base three and Sifu. And I mean, if you can, if you can manage to have that midfield on this team, then you're talking about being able to bring in blessing and Sifu at the 60th minute to really break midfields open with just their, just their energy alone. Right. Um, and being able to bring those guys off the bench or rotate them in and out to help you spell uh, your other midfielders, I think I think that's like you said, that's the way you take this team to the next level. Um, but Josh, we haven't even talked. We, I'm, we're we're severe, we're 29 minutes into this, and we haven't even talked about Ryan Hollingshead yet, other than to say, other than me saying he did a great job covering and not pressuring when Ilya already had a guy pressured. Um, but Hollingshead gets himself a brace. One off of a corner, directly directly off a corner. The second one uh, off another corner that is played out. Then Sifu plays it back in, and then it falls to him, and he takes it on the half volley, and it was right foot, and just an absolute screamer. Uh, Holling said, my goodness, have yourself a game. Yeah, I mean, he... It helps. It helps to have just another big body on the back line, right? For one, yeah, on, on some of yeah. these, on some of these um, set pieces, because on the first one, like he 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 just bosses that the, mm-hmm. the Vancouver defender like it was nothing, right? And so you have you definitely have that um, for one where he's just physical, you know, just more physically dominant than anything we've had. You know, along our back line, and you know, you know, Cheeky's like five foot seven, right? Yeah. You know, and is, yeah. is willing to get stuck in from a you know like from a tracking perspective and from like a you know ball winning perspective, but in terms of being able to get up there and make a difference, you know, on set piece and some of these things, like you see, you see Mario and fall, and you know again fall being having been as dominant this early on, right? you see teams now starting to prepare for him on set pieces, right? It's yeah. because you see yeah. as he makes that move, he takes two with him. And then now Hong said is one-on-one and is able to just take full advantage of whoever's, you know, whoever was marking mm-hmm. him there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously on the, on the one that he had the that second one that, you know, he almost got as well, right. Where he's again, he, yeah, he got another free header. He's he either behind fr- everybody. Yeah. He's either free or there's, you know, or whoever's on him has no chance because he again he's from he's again we're going back to it like interprets that that space and that opportunity where it's vacated yeah. as the big as the big boys are moving in another direction, um, you know, but just has that physical the physical attributes to be able to you know to to stand up you know in in traffic. Right, right. I mean, solid game defensively, amazing game offensively. Uh, you will see him in the team of the week for sure because he is, uh, first of all, they they overrate defensive goals and he got two of them. So uh, he will be he will be on the MLS team of the week. I assume Vela will for his goal and assist. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Opoku on there as well for how involved he was. Um, I don't know how all their numbers go into it, but um, just, I mean, overall, it was a great win. A fun game, you know, plenty of goals. Uh, 
you know, it is it is somewhat good to see Blackman getting a getting a goal, um, even if it is uh, against LAFC. It's it's fun to see him in a position where he's being able to be successful, and there's no question about his starting spot. And um, obviously, we wish him all the best as uh, big Tristan Blackman fans here on the counter press. Um, Josh, anything else you want to get into from this game before we get into questions here? No, I mean like it's you know as much as we we've you know probably been like probably overly picky about a few things you know especially yeah. the way that the midfield is playing. But again, I think this is those are things that we're starting to identify that again they're likely working on, but could potentially become a problem, especially in some of these games where you're going to need a little bit more creativity you know, to catch, you know, to, to score there. Right. Because I mean, you're going to come across a team like a Portland, right. Where you're, where if you don't have someone that can combine with Rodriguez or combine with Vela or whatever, maybe, right. You're going to be behind the eight ball from a, you know, from an offensive perspective. Um, And if they get that one, right. Then it's going to be really tough, you know, to break down that wall or you're going to get, you're going to have to push up numbers, start pushing numbers, which now leaves your backline exposed. Mm-hmm. So I think those are the things that, you know, obviously through through these first four games, we've we've enjoyed the stability. But as if this team continues to trend in the right direction, you're, you, you are going to see teams start to, to park the bus a little bit more, you know, than I think they thought they could after last year, right, where they, you know, teams yeah, thought they could yeah. get after you a little bit and were not afraid to try and, you know, hit you uh, where it hurts. But, um you know, in, in this case, it, I think, like I said, it, these are things where you have the right players in place for the most part, right? Having Acosta there, um, maybe you flip, yeah, a, absolutely, right? Maybe you yeah. flip Acosta and Sifu, where you have Acosta combining with Rodriguez and then Sifu there to kind of support, you know, what Aboku and and Vela are doing on the right hand side, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe a, a little tweaks and little changes will 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 make a little bit of a difference there, but we'll see ultimately. Um, you know, again, we're just two guys here behind a mic, and you know, yeah. our coach coach is making the big the big calls. And I mean, if it, if it hasn't come through, like we are, I mean, we both feel really positive about where this about where this team is at. Um, not only just from results, but from what we're seeing, right? I mean, obviously the results are good. You could argue that they're against four of the weaker teams in the league, being Colorado. Even though Colorado's on seven points right now. Portland, who is always difficult to play against, Miami, which is a uh, wooden spoon contender, and then Vancouver, which uh, who knows, right? Um, but they're never much of anything special. But uh, I, I think I think we've seen enough to know that you know LAFC are they are a good team, right? And uh, so overwhelmingly positive from the two of us. We like the the pragmatic way that uh, Chirondolo has, has set this team up. And, you know, any, any critique that we have isn't, uh, it, it's really just based in, okay, well, this is, I think where we can improve still, which is a good thing that there's that, you know, we're winning and there's still room for improvement. Uh, and I would agree. I, I mean, I think, I think the biggest things are help in the midfield, which I think is a, a personnel thing. And today you're kind of hamstrung by, uh, Escobar being out with his calf strain still, right? So Acosta has to deputize it at right back which is one of those things, like every time I saw Acosta on the ball, I was like, man, I want to see more of you, but you're kind of just relegated to this position. Um, so you might need to go out and find yourself a new right back because um, I don't think Hollingshead is giving up that left back spot anytime soon. 
and uh, you know, just a just a backup guy. And I, I still, again, I really want to see a DP in the midfield in the summer. But, yeah, I don't. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, right? Like Acosta is a better right back than than Latif, right? So you almost have to sacrifice what Acosta could bring you there yeah, yeah. in that particular moment. But you obviously you prefer not to if that's the case. Um, but again, like they said, that moon transfer out, you know, it's obviously like what, what he needed for himself and the, the, what they were able to get for him was, you know, pretty nice. Um, all things considered, considering he hadn't played too much as of late. Um, Mm -hmm. but well, and I mean, one thing I didn't think about either was when Segura comes back in a couple months, I think it's next month that he comes back, right? April. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I mean, he. We're ta- I mean, we're done for the international break, so it might just be a few more games without him. If he comes back, now you have Mario who can come in and play as your backup right back as well. Because I don't think, I don't think he's going to be starting over Segura or Fall. No, um, I, I think it'll. They're not going to. I don't. I, I think it'll be a while before they push Segura right back in, though. You know. Um, oh, I mean, I mean, you know, they'll start. You know, he'll get a ten-minute appearance. Yeah. Maybe a couple ten-minute appearances, a thirty. And then it'll go 60. But, I mean, I think this team can be fine not signing a right back tomorrow. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, and Segura's also played right back there too, right? And there was that weird yeah. moment where I forget who he was It was with, right, where they made that weird call where Segura was at right back and someone else was playing inside. Maybe it was like hmm. Blackman and... Um, it was probably Blackman, yeah. Yeah. And you're like, hmm. You know, like, you would think that they would have put Blackman out at right and Segura inside, but... You know, Segura's right, right. maybe it was a passing thing or what at the time. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. But, you know, I think you have guys who are very versatile. Obviously, I'm not sure you want a guy coming off an of ACL tear going in and having to bomb up and down the field at, no, at fullback. No. But, I, I want him playing center back. Like, that's, yeah. he's your best defender, right? So you put him where he's best. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, man, like, I, I love how physical our center backs have been, right? Like, you yeah, know, as much, as yeah. hard as we've been on Mario, I mean, when when basic when him and Fall just kind of just body guys and just kind of just stand over them and tell them to just, you yeah. know, like it, it is <laughs> it is nice to see a backline that's not backing down from anyone. Yeah, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to earn your chances against LAFC with that with that backline for sure. So. All right. Well, we said, uh, was there anything else to get to? And then we talked for like five more minutes. So let's get to our listener questions here. Uh, let's see. Not too many tonight. First one is from Rick at Yoyo Torre 66. Good for the win, uh, but not the LAFC I fell in love with. Passing needs to improve. Arango and Vela need to start. Opoku should come in as a sub. Arango needs more than 10 minutes on the field. This one, This one's tough because I... For I I told you I think before we started I think, you know we were skeptical about Opoku starting so many games but I think tonight was where I finally was like okay, I, like I'm I'm fine with it I'm fine with it I understand why people would be skeptical and why people want to see more Chicho but uh, I really do wonder if pace is is really the thing that they're looking for and they want two of their three attackers to have that kind of pace and. That means you would have to set Vela aside to bring Chicho on. So I I don't know. It's a, it's a. I mean, 
having to having to shoehorn all these guys into onto the field is, is a good problem to have, I suppose. Yeah, I mean I I'm it's hard to just understand how how Chicho complements Vela as well as Mah- you know, Opoku does at this point, right? Like like Opoku's ability to make those, you know, to stretch the field and then also do it at pace and physicality is something that no yeah. one else it's something that no one else brings on this team. And so and what it allows Vela to do is to not you know, like you said, you know, like Vela's not stretching the field at all. Right. It's just not yeah. part of his game, especially at this stage in his career. And so you're gonna see him have to play a little bit different. And like I said, I think I don't I don't know if Chicho makes the runs that give Vela the space that he wants. Right. Whereas versus I think right. Opoku is more than happy to do those things. Like I said, I think it's tough when you have three guys who are who kind of want the ball at their feet, right? And the problem is if all th- if they're not all three perfectly interchangeable. Right, like uh, again, like I'm gonna get killed for bringing Liverpool up again. But when you, you know, like, you know, Sadio Mane, Mo Salah, and Diego Jota, when they those three guys played together, and even mm-hmm. now Luis Diaz, the new guy that they brought in, all three of those guys have incredible pace. You know, they kind of all bring similar traits to the table. So when you interchange them, you don't it doesn't drop off. Versus when you have a guy with Carlos who's so much different from the other two, right? There's only so many adjustments that you're going to be able to make, you know, in that in that same sense. Yeah, yeah. All right, next one uh, is USMT related. Uh, Corey at we don't post ever with guys like Pulisic, Reyna, Aronson, Ferreira, Mihailovic, etc. In the pool, should with the USMNT play with the number ten? Josh, I'll let you have this one first. I would say yes. I think it probably is given given our our current crop. It's it may be the best system, and it's a little bit more pragmatic at this point, um, which may be a good thing, right? You you know you'll let Pulisic and and Wea stretch the field vertically a little bit, you know, and it's, if Ferreira's their starting nine and, you know, looked good this weekend with his, his hat trick in 39 minutes. Looked incredible this week. Right? Like, and, and Ferreira, his movement has always been, there's a lot to like about his movement. The question was whether he had the clinical finishing that to match it, right? Because yeah, he's I mean, always he been... He was a, getting call-ups as, as the nine for the U.S. and he was still playing as an eight in Dallas. And, yeah. I mean, you can see why, like, the movement and the link up play, like he he does a lot of midfielder things. Like I think he has all the makings of a great quote unquote false nine. Yeah. And so, you know, if if you're going to let those three there and Reyna's your your other guy, and Reyna's again, I don't think is going to pearly. You know, like I, I don't want I need to keep Way on the field. I need you probably want Polisic on the field too. And so if you're how do you fit that that next best player on the field. Also, if you're to play your best lineup, then, you know, again, in absence of Weston McKinney, right? If McKinney's there, you play that M, you know, that McKinney, Musa, Adams midfield, then you call it a day, right? And then one of those attackers is getting left off the bench, you know, is left, getting left on the bench. But given McKinney's out, you know, you can just let Musa and, and Adams or even Adams and Acosta for that matter, just be yeah. super pragmatic and play and just cut out any kind of attack. 
and let those four guys go to work. You know, again, is it is it different from the from the the football that that Greg promised? Absolutely, right. But you know, I said it's weird. It's weird now to to find myself enjoying this like pragmatic approach. Um, you know, because again, I think we had, you know, we've it's easy to fall in love with you know with the flowing style that Bob had brought to the table, and you know from Pep Guardiola and all these different things. But again, in these knockout in these knockout games, these knockout tournaments, like, would I love to have Trundle on the bench with this national team, into from a tactical mm. perspective, just mm. setting them up in in a partic- in in a way similar to what we're doing now to get to get some dubs? Absolutely, yeah, right. Because you could sit back and then just punish some of these teams, right, with with your with that front four, yeah. So there's a couple of things. I'll, I'll answer the uh, the question directly first, and then I'll come back to what you were saying. But I mean, to me, the question is, how do you get? So the question is, how should they play with a number ten? Um, I'm I'm all for it. The question really is, how do you set up the team for that? Do you go to a four two three one like you were talking about with with Acosta and 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 Adams or McKennion Adams or Musa and Adams. And then like Reina, basically, I think Reina's is really the only guy that I trust to do that. I, 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 I like Brandon Aronson. I think he's a great player. I don't think he is an inside player. Like, I don't think he's a midfielder. I just really don't. I know he played there for Philadelphia, but I just don't, I don't see him that way. I see him as a guy who's just going to wreak havoc down the wings in, in a lot of ways, similar to what Opoku does. Right. Um, and uh, Mihailovic, I I think he's he's on his way. When we've seen him with the with the national team, he hasn't been great. Um, and it's like he'll start a game and then he'll get yanked, and then then we don't see him again for months. Uh, so I think Rain is really the only guy. And we all know that Christian Pulisic, uh, they've they've moved him all over God's green earth at Chelsea, and now that he's back playing as kind of like a left attacking midfielder, like a internal left winger, whatever, you know, scuffed would call him a half space merchant on the left side, uh, a left sided half space merchant. That's his position. That's what he plays. That's where he thrives. Um, so it's just a matter of, okay, well, how do you set them up and how do you get your best 11 on the field? Uh, you could go to, uh, I guess you could go to, like a four three three, where you where you have specific roles, right? I think this is probably the easiest way to do it, where you play McKinney, and I think I think Musa is the one that you that you leave off for now. You move Reina inside. Well, is McKinney available? Well, I I'm just you know, I'm just in a perfect world. Got where it, got no it, got injuries. it. Okay. Um, that's kind of how I interpreted this question, which could be wrong. But if McKinney is there, then your midfield is Reina, McKinney, and Adams, right? And McKenney is tasked as an eight. You bring the ball forward and back. You're a bit of a space interpreter. You're a box-to-box midfielder, um, which is what he does for Juve and what he's done so well for the U.S. lately. And then Reyna is the one who's really going to to sit higher and is really going to be responsible for creating that attack. And that leaves Weah and Pulisic out on the wings. And then 
whatever number nine is scoring goals right now, it's Jordan Pifak and Jesus Ferreira. Right. So, um, that's, that's my answer there. And to go back to what you were talking about, I do think that Greg has made a shift to his credit to be a little bit more pragmatic and to kind of abandon his senseless idea that he's going to change the way that the world views American soccer by playing Barcelona ball, right? With players who didn't grow up in that kind of system. And the details required to play that kind of system are immense. And you can't do it with players that didn't grow up that way. And you definitely can't do it training two or three times a year together. It's just not going to happen. And, you know, the only players that he has access to all the time are the MLS players. And I'm sorry, but Christian Roldan and Jordan Morris are not going to play that system. I know I know that they're available for Camp Cupcake in January, but they're not going to play that system. It's just never going to happen. They're too old at this point to learn all those details. Well, and it's also Great not what they're best at, right? Like Jordan Morris right? is no, a guy you want, no. you want, you know, on getting on the end of a long ball from – you know, from someone and muscling off whatever defend, you know, shrugging off whatever yeah. defender is there and letting him go direct the goal, you know? Yeah. And, and I think it's, I think, you know, as much as people can't stand Alexi Lalas, I think he's, he's been adamant in saying that like, you have to create a system to, you know, that matches the players as opposed to having a system and then not, and then trying to shoe, you know, shoehorn players into, right. into those, right. into those roles, you know? And I think when you look at when you look at LAFC this year, right? The Trenel has done that well. Um, Burhalter has not done that so well with the national team. Yeah. I think Bob yeah. definitely was terrible at that um, during this last LA, you know, during the last mm-hmm. two years of LAFC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So long answer there. Uh, I do appreciate the U.S. <laughs> focused uh, question, even though some of our listeners might not. I don't know. Um, but anyway, uh, that was a fun question to answer. All right, next one is from Alistair Christie at Christie Alley. Just got home from the game and thought we were pretty poor tonight. Sifu needs to ride the bench for a while. Latif is not playing well enough to start for us either. Acosta much better in the second half when Ilya would sit back in his spot or drop between the center backs. I didn't, so there was a lot of this in the second half where Ilya is the, you know, the one dropping out of the midfield to help create some sort of rotation and it pushes Acosta farther into the attack. Um, I think that's an astute observation. Um, and it goes right along with what we were saying where Latif and Sifu are a bit redundant. I think if one of them is in the midfield and you have Ilya and Acosta, you're probably, you're probably fine. Um, but again, to take them to the next level where they are unbeatable, you're going to need a better midfielder to, to be that third guy. Yeah. And I think in an ideal scenario, right, you bring in that, that DP midfielder, Sifu probably moves to the bench. And then when, you know, if you, continue to play really well, you know, and win and Acosta continues to grow into, you know, grow and, you know, grow and look better. He probably moves to Europe, you know, in, in a, in an yeah. ideal world. Yeah. And then, uh, and then Sifu having, you know, had that experience and trying to figure out yeah. what that, what that looks like now steps into that role and then you're good to yeah. go for the next, you know, five years or whatever. That's what the best teams do, right? They develop depth at every position on the field they have good players sitting on the bench every single week. I mean, every single week, there are great world-class players sitting on the bench. Like, that's just the way it is. Uh, 
obviously MLS makes that really difficult because we sacrifice good quality, like weekend and week out, weekend and week out quality for parity. Um, but that's what that's what the best teams do. That's what Seattle has done for it their entire existence, right? So anyway. Okay, next one, Ben Cox at Sir Bensington. My fiance's reaction. I liked six Ilie, seven blessing, ten Vela, twenty-two Opoku, and the goalkeeper. I didn't like seventeen Rodriguez or twenty-three Acosta, and I gotta say, pretty solid analysis. Yeah, I mean, you know, everybody's always going to like Blessing's energy, and he's going to do clever things on the ball that make you happy. I want him involved with the team. Um, it's like we say, like we're just not really sure how well he fits in the midfield, right? Especially if he's next to a guy like Sifu who has very similar qualities. Um, uh, I think the only, the only part that I don't disagree with that I don't agree with totally is a, is a cost of just because he's being played out of position. I don't think he has a chance to shine playing right back yeah. and, you know, kudos to him for stepping up and, and playing there. One of the things I think he played fairly well at right back, right? He was defensively sound, didn't give much, yeah. didn't yeah. give it up an, an inch there. Um, you know, obviously, like I said, it's, 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 it's generally, even for the national team, right? It's, it's, it's where he can fill in because he is that versatile, but obviously you would, you would prefer, you know, and I'm sure he would as well, right. For him to now be back at that eight position. But I think yeah, yeah. given the circumstances, right. It's, it's what's best for the team, right. Which, you know, again, you have to love a guy that that's willing to, you know, to do what, what's necessary to, you know, to get, the, to keep the team rolling. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next one, Andrew, man, I, you're going to have to bear with me, Andrew. Uh, Zucci, if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly, please let me know. Uh, Ilya Sanchez could be the best signing of the off season. And that says a lot. Um, yeah. I mean, it's fantastic. In terms of, replacing Edward Atuesta, I mean, I don't, I'd love Atuesta, but I don't, I, have you noticed any drop off? Cause I haven't. Oh, and the team has looked better. I mean, obviously the, for different reasons, right? It's looked better this year than we did last year for yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but um, I think, again, I think it's his, he, his understanding of the game Right and and read of the game is just far superior to any anyone that we've we've had in the midfield at any time, right? And that includes at Tuesta. Um, again, like He's got that Spanish profile, man. Yeah, like again, I think ah, he, there's there's just an understanding of 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 the the game in totality, right? As opposed to like I said, at Tuesta can make make special things happen and continues to do that. But I think in terms of just you know being a field general and kind of putting it all together and, and, and basically setting, setting up a foundation for which you, you know, your, your stars can, can act upon. Ilya is that guy. Yeah. All the stuff that we, that we kind of hounded Latif for not doing tonight. He does all of it like exceptionally well. Uh, so yeah, I mean, yeah, he's, he's been fantastic. All right. Somber Amarath at Somber Amarath. Shaky start, strong reaction. Fantastic way to end. I have no notes. Proceed. Yeah, I mean, again, a fun, a fun game in which your left back scores two bangers, right? And Carlos Vela scores off a 
he scores a rebounded volley after Opoku makes three defenders look absolutely silly. Um, and the only goal that you concede is, you know, off a, off a clever set piece. And the guy that finishes it is a guy that you drafted. So, uh, a great game and I'm excited. I'm excited about this team. So anything else, Josh? No, I mean, like I said, I think it's definitely a good start. Obviously you want to continue to see them improve, especially obviously just control through the midfield. I think that's just the one thing that we just haven't seen, you know, through these first four games. And, you know, you just a few more clear cut chances from open play. Yeah. You know, and again, and especially because of the, the, the defense is going to provide you with with that foundation, right? So now it's up to the midfield to really act on it. Um, and again, you know, time will tell if they can put it together. But you know, whether whether it's a move from the front office or just these guys trying to figure things out on the field, um, yeah, again, it's it's definitely promising at at minimum. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, uh, man, I don't even know when the next game is because we had the international break. Let's do a um, quick real quick. But in the meantime, while we're looking this up, you can follow us at counterpress underscore. You can follow me at Kirk Kinsey on Twitter and Josh. LAFC Josh. And then if you want some uh, Angel City content, it's ACFC Dad. Right? It's been, oh. been fun kind of checking things out. With this is my... news to me. Yeah. So... Another account to go follow. Go and go ahead and go in there and uh, I was live tweeting last night's game, um, and, uh, you know. And so, yeah, see if we can't get some more tactical looks. I'm going to try to get some content up in terms of uh, just some analysis of how I, I wanted to try and do it before yesterday's game, but had very little to work with in terms of like just understanding who some of the pieces yeah, were on the, on the yeah. roster because yeah. they had brought in quite a, a few people, uh, quite a few players that don't have a ton of NWSL experience. So now after kind of seeing what they were trying to do and, you know, we'll see if we can't get a, uh, a couple more um, articles and some, and some analysis about the way that they're playing up on, on the yeah. sub stack. So it looks All like right. our next game is April 2nd um, away at Orlando, Orlando followed by All right. the ninth um, away at Carson. All right, then we will see you all then enjoy the international break and hopefully uh the next time we talk to you the u.s is qualified and uh we don't have to worry about repeating 2018 again (laughs) so on that note on that very positive note we will talk to you all later good night